Welcome to Medical Mindfield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Eve Simmons. And we are health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week, we're talking about the new health secretary, Therese Coffey. Do health secretaries have to be healthy? As ever, we'd like to know what you think. So if you have a question or a suggestion or comment, then tweet us at MedMinefield. What do you think, Eve? Everyone's talking about Therese Coffey and uh, is saying terrible things about her. One tweet that really caught my eye, I mean, people reprinted this picture of her mm. smoking a cigar with, with a, a glass top. of mm-hmm. champagne and, or the was spillage. it beer? Spillage down yeah. the top. Mm-hmm. I think I think we've all been there. Yes, I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think that you'll struggle to find somebody who looks at that picture and thinks, oh, I have no idea what that experience is. Exactly. But people were saying, this is our new health secretary. How can this be? I mean, they could have picked a million pictures of her with briefcase in hand. I mean, the woman is, I believe, a scientist. She's a, She's got a chemistry She has a chemistry degree. PhD. Yeah. So she's Dr. Therese Coffey, yes. in fact. But this was the take-home message, that she was drinking, smoking. Many other people commented on her weight. Among the least kind tweets, and we're not going to dwell too much on them because it's, it's, there were so many, but just to give you an impression of, of the kind of personal attack that was being levelled, uh, a chap named Russ Jones, who has written a book called The Decade in Tory, I'm imagining not particularly enthusiastic about Conservative Party. He says, Therese Coffey, cigar-chomping Uncle Fester impersonator, and all we've come to expect from a Tory health minister, backs privatising the NHS, smokes, drinks, and is clinically obese. I think that it is absolutely correct to criticise politicians on their politics and their ideas and their views and how they see the country I don't think that it's appropriate to comment on the way they look and the way that they live their lives. I don't think it's at all relevant. So what about the previous incumbents of the role? You know, I mean, we've just had Sajid Javid, haven't we? And, mm. uh, and oh, there was, there was someone after that, wasn't there? Barkley? Steve, Steve Barkley yes. is who we've just had. Just had for 10 days or something. And then, of course, there was the disgraced Matt Hancock. Oh, yes. And he was a, he was in quite good shape, wasn't he? He, he liked to do parkour. <laughs> One of my favourite videos of all time. Listeners, if you haven't watched it, I'd very much recommend that one day when you're feeling lonely and, <laughs> and maybe a bit miserable. Matt Hancock doing those flips. Yeah, parkour. Mm. It's a, how would you describe it? It's a, a, an activity that involves... Jumping over walls. Yes, jumping over walls and he was things. He was very sprightly. And what about, what about Jeremy Hunt? What do we think of his bod? I don't know if I've ever seen his bod. I, I tell you what, I had a I had a lunch with uh, Jeremy Hunt once, and he felt that he was very in tune with patients because he read he read a letter from a patient every day. Apparently, I don't know how he got hold of them, data data protection and all that. <laughs> anyway, maybe you don't have to worry about that if you're health secretary. But he read one every day. He told me, and uh, it meant that he knew what the struggles were that that it's patients. A bit were like the through. medical dear Deirdre. I know what guy. Mm. But it's interesting, when I was researching for this podcast, I tried to find articles about health secretaries' health routines or kind of wellness things that they engage in. And no one in any interviews actually asks them about it because they think that it's irrelevant, it would seem. I couldn't find anything. And so it's interesting to me that we're having this conversation about Therese Coffey because she's big, basically. 
I think you're probably onto something there. Um, but of course, you know, Therese Coffey has been mentioned on this podcast before because she was one of the few people that came out mid-pandemic and said the reason that, that so many people in the UK were, were dying of COVID uh, was partly because uh, so many people here are obese. And, you know, I mean, I guess she could speak from some experience in, in that respect. Uh, and she wasn't wrong. I mean, it mm. is now recognised mm. as the single biggest risk factor for serious COVID. Mm. But she was she was accused of fat shaming. Uh, well, uh, I mean, that just says it all, doesn't it, really? I think the health secretary should be allowed to make statements based on facts and analyses mm. rather than having anything to do with a sort of, you know, opinion on what body shape is right and what is wrong. But speaking of the pandemic, of course, Boris Johnson had a, a huge revelation after mm. almost dying of COVID and, and came out and said, you know, he was too fat. He obviously saw his own weight as something that he mm. could communicate with people over. Mm. Tom so, Watson as well. Didn't he start drinking coffee with butter mixed into it? Yes, he's he's had some questionable diet tricks, shall we say. But he lost a bunch of weight and then started going on about it. Interestingly, I read his book and he was obviously deeply upset by the way that politicians get spoken of in that respect and, mm. and the caricatures. Mm. And I saw a few of the uh, cartoonists doing uh, caricatures of, of Therese Coffey. Mm. And I mean, the most grotesque mm. caricature that you can imagine and the, with the with the cigar and I think all, I all saw that, that one too, yeah. But I mean, when it came to Tom Watson, he described how he felt looking at those and, and how mm. much it stuck in him. And it was one of the motivators or one of the things that made him feel so terrible about himself that he had to embark on these extreme, extreme weight loss plans mm. and became very obsessed with his weight, which is really, I think it's really sad. And and there was no reason to, to attack him for the way he looked, I think. I mean, he was enough of a nincompoop anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. That's sort of the point is that it distracts from actually thinking about the policies that Therese Coffey might be putting forward, what she stands for, what her ideas are, what she's going to do about our struggling NHS. And I, I did get the impression that a lot of the people who were commenting on the way that she looked just wanted to have something to say, but didn't quite know mm. enough to give a considered view. But to give a counterpoint to that, a huge problem being faced by the NHS is... There is increasing demand because people are less healthy. We're managing to make people live longer, but they're not living longer, healthier lives. They're just living longer and mm. relying on the health services. And that overall, you need to focus on prevention. Mm. I think all doctors are extremely keen that, that there is a big focus on prevention. And I know that health secretaries are keen on that aspect of things because ultimately that's going to save the NHS money. Mm. So, you know, if someone is not leading by example, you might question their judgment. Are you going to listen to someone when they come out with a, you know, we must prevent heart disease, we must prevent smoking related deaths, we must do X, Y or Z? Are you less likely to listen to them because they have struggled with their weight, been smoker, likes a few drinks, as she said recently? Or are you more likely to listen to them? I, I, I don't know. On the line now, we have someone who believes quite strongly that Therese Coffey is, is a poor role model and took to Twitter to alert her sizable following that uh, she clearly disapproved of the choice 
On the line now is Sophie Corcoran, who is a political activist and a broadcaster with GB News. Sophie, do you think that Therese is a bad role model for a health secretary? I wouldn't say she's a bad role model. I just wouldn't say she is a role model at all. You know, I I have no doubt that she's an incredible politician. I really like Therese. Uh, I think she's brilliant. I was glad that she was one of the first ones to be in the cabinet. She's always done a good job. But part of politics is about optics. It's about, you know, how things look to the wider public and internationally. And, you know, having a health secretary discussing things like obesity and smoking and alcohol use, while obviously not necessarily following that advice themselves, you know, it just doesn't look good. Do we know that she doesn't follow that advice herself? Or is it just that it seems to be that one photograph that's circulating? Yeah, well, so I didn't actually use that photograph on purpose in my tweet. I, I purposely avoided it. I used another one. But I think it's pretty clear, you know, she isn't the healthiest of individuals, which is fine. But ultimately, it, it does make us look a little bit laughable. Um, it's not to say she's going to do a bad job in health. You know, she is a phenomenal politician. I've always said that, you know, she's always done a good job whenever she's in cabinet, but it just doesn't it just doesn't look good, does it really? And I think when, you know, she is talking about things such as obesity and trying to put curbs on the way we live our life, whether that be, you know, sort of nanny state sugar taxing ideals that the government have discussed in the past that include impacting the way people live our lives and our freedoms. I don't think it's going to work necessarily. I don't think it's going to translate well with the public. There was a moment in the pandemic where Boris Johnson admitted the reason he got so ill was because he was so fat. And perhaps she might be able to turn this to her her advantage in some way, do you think? I mean, Matt Hancock, for instance, was seen doing all kinds of embarrassing things like parkour. (laughs) You couldn't relate to that in any way. It was just the most cringing thing I'd ever seen. But, but, you know, I mean, if if Therese Coffey said something like that, I I, I think it might resonate, don't you? Uh, Not necessarily unless, you know, she's seen doing action. I think we saw a lot of videos of Boris out on a run which was actually quite good for him in multiple ways. Obviously, it showed that, you know, he was trying to tackle obesity, which is something that the government was looking to do at the time. But it also made him a lot more personable and a lot more relatable. So it does it does depend on, the, obviously, the way that Therese is going to handle this. We, we can't speculate, but I'm not sure if I'm going to see her running around Downing Street in the same <laughs> way we saw Boris or, unfortunately, saw Matt Hancock doing uh, from time to time. It wouldn't surprise me, though, if she does go on some sort of health kick, maybe privately. Maybe um, there's a, video, a DVD going to come out. Yeah. <laughs> Be quite lucrative. Oh, yeah, like, uh, what's it, Joe Wick's Therese Cobra edition? Uh, it would uh, it'd fly off the shelves, yeah. I expect. Yeah. But in all seriousness, there was uh, other tweets that rounded up pictures of lots of the senior health ministers in different countries, and, and it was quite a, a rogues gallery of, of people that didn't didn't look particularly healthy. And I guess it is a point, isn't it? Are you going to take the health advice seriously from someone who is not healthy themselves? Yeah, I think we did see we did see a worldwide trend of multiple countries having health ministers that are overweight or not particularly in the best fit of health. It is something that could be a, a bit of embarrassment for our country. I've I've got quite a large international following because I do Sky News Australia and I do news and stuff in the US. And I see a lot of my international counterparts like tweeting it laughing. So I was thinking perhaps, you know, and I, I actually didn't mention her appearance at all. And in the tweet that I made, I simply posted the photo of her. I said, here's our health secretary. 
X, Y, Z. And then obviously people interpreted that in the way that they wanted to. So I never put thoughts in anybody's head that they those people had their own thoughts. And obviously the, the common thing that came from that tweet was she's not the healthiest of human beings. And that was something that was seen at home from left-wingers, from right-wingers and also internationally as well. Sophie, do you think it's right to comment on the way that somebody looks in that way? You know, whether it's in regards to her health, to be fair, although she is clearly overweight, doesn't necessarily mean that she's unhealthy. We don't know that as a fact. Well, I think this has a different aura. But, you know, if you're just, you know, attacking a politician's health for no reason, especially when there's it's a woman, there was obviously a real air of misogyny about that. However, in this context, she is a health minister. I don't think it's particularly unreasonable to expect somebody to themselves be in of good health and, and for politicians to be role models. I think the basis attacks, I mean, some, some of obviously the criticism went way too far. Um, and we see it, you know, I'm, I'm a girl as well and I have quite a large platform as well. I get it all the time. You know, and if it's particularly not to do with the reason, then obviously it's wrong. But this is in the context of health. She has been appointed the health secretary. It's not unsurprising to see people point that out and saying, hang on a minute, how comes we've got somebody lecturing us on obesity and health and who's going to be in charge of implementing policies that are most likely going to remove some of our freedoms, because they always do, who's not exactly in the best fit of health themselves. I mean, obviously, she is the Secretary of State for Health now. What would your advice be to her? You know, obviously, this criticism has come to her immediately. What What would you tell her to do? How should she play it? Well, if I was her, obviously, being a politician, I would just brush it off, as I think she actually has done pretty well. But also, I think she could be a real role model here. I think if, if she acknowledges the fact that, you know what, we all as a country need to be healthier in the way that Boris did, and lead the line, I actually think that that could translate better for the public. Because if we see somebody who, like many people in this country, are overweight, doing something to improve their lives, if you see it happen at the top, that that will really translate to everybody. And maybe everybody would would, would want to be like you. So maybe it, it could even be better than having some sort of skinny stick like me uh, at the top lecturing people on health, to have somebody implementing those behaviours themselves and being that role model for people. So I would hope that she would do that. And of course, you know, focusing on other aspects of health, not obviously just obesity, you know, tackling the NHS backlogs, which I'm sure she's going to do fantastic at because, as I've said before, she's a phenomenal politician. Well, Sophie, um, it's been great chatting to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. No worries. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm, I'm, going, to make, I'm going to make the call to Theresa's office just when we get off air suggest the fitness video i think that's a great idea it's finally finally my ship's come in it's gonna fly leave all this. off the shelves we'll leave all this and, and make our millions to raise coffee before and after no but in all seriousness i i do think there's something about Buns this of whole steel conversation with coffee no? <laughs> it's all just a bit nasty isn't it there's something that's just feels really not very nice and well it's unkind <laughs> It does come back to that. You question a politician's judgment, don't you? Mm. And that's why when they have affairs or, you know, other sleazy Mm. scandals, 
if they've been found going for dinner with dodgy characters or taking money from firms. You know, they might not have done anything illegal or against the rules, but we question their judgment. And I suppose it falls into that category. I mean, 95% of what I saw was just plain old nasty. As Sophie Mm. said, there was a huge layer of misogyny. And and I feel like there is something on the left, and I like to think of us as at the centre rather than either left or right. But there is something of the left that slips into this quite aggressive misogyny very easily. And we saw it with Theresa May, for instance. Mm. You know, I mean, the things that people said about her, it was the kinds of things that I would I would never say in front of my mother. I do think also it's this myth that being obese is a judgment call and it's all Mm. to do with the amount that you eat and you're just frivolous and greedy and make bad decisions. Obesity generally is to do with the amount you eat. Whether or not that's because you have poor judgment remains a question of debate. Well, exactly. And there's many, many different factors, as we know, that drive the way that we eat and how we eat. What would Peter Hitchens say? Willpower. Oh, yeah. Well, it's another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, next, I think we should hear from someone who knows all about what it's like to work in the Department of Health. We're joined now by writer, broadcaster and former Conservative MP Edwina Curry. Edwina, you were a junior health minister under Ken Clark in the 80s. Do you think, and we're talking obviously today as people have been levelling many criticisms at Therese Coffey for not being the healthiest of health ministers, do you think you need to be healthy to be Secretary of State for Health? Well, I think the main thing you need to be Secretary of State for Health is a really good brain. And Dr Therese Coffey, she's a PhD in chemistry from my hometown of Liverpool has really got that. And what I mean is you need to be able to read the paperwork that comes both from the Treasury and from the scientific advisors, and indeed these days from the accountants as well, because the Department of Health and Social Care is responsible for eye-watering amounts of money. And that's something that the new Secretary of State, I think, would be very good at. But do you think, uh, you know, in the modern age, you know, that a health secretary should be a role model as well? If they're saying we've all got to eat less sugar and we've all got to avoid smoking and we've got to prevent ill health and lose weight, that if they're saying this from a position where they might visibly have have struggled with those things themselves, would that be a negative? (laughs) Well, um, it depends which campaign she wants to get involved in. And she's made it clear right from the start that the main problems that she needs to sort out. I think are mainly organisational and perhaps employment issues, you know, sorting out the ambulance service so that we no longer have our ambulances waiting 10 or 11 hours to get into a hospital. And that's not a good use of anybody's time. I suspect that she'll get very quickly onto the fact that that's because there aren't any beds in the hospital because they've got people there who've been there for months and who really need to have a proper care at home. And that's in short supply. And that's also an employment issue. We really need to upgrade the care workers, get them better trained, with high status and with better pay. And that way, I think the whole thing can be run a great deal more smoothly. And I have to say, I've just come back from um, hospital from the Salford Royal, where I've been for a regular routine scan. I haven't had one since 2019. And uh, they're working flat out to clear those backlogs. Backlogs are about six and a half million people waiting. It's normally about four million waiting on the waiting list. 
So those are the jobs that she has to do. And we'll all be very thankful if she's able to do them and do them well. And I suspect she may end up a lot slimmer because she's going to be working some very, very long hours to do it. When you were a health minister, did you feel any kind of pressure to be in good shape? Well, it's something I've always taken an interest in. And uh, when I started in September 1986, we did actually have a campaign underway called Look After Your Heart. And as I was the youngest, most junior member of the entire DHSS, as it was then, team, I was the one that was told to go out and promote it. I wasn't given much of a budget to do it. So I ended up in a pink shell suit in Lancaster yes. House riding an exercise bike. <laughs> I, I do have a memory of that. Pink shell suit was my choice. I thought it might actually be a bit distinctive, you know. And what we were trying to do was highlight that heart disease, particularly amongst younger carders, you know, the people in their 40s and 50s, was taking a lot of people, creating a lot of disability that was avoidable. I don't think we got on as well then as we have more recently to the problems caused by diabetes and the complications Mm. that that brings. I think probably COVID has taught us all an awful lot of lessons. On the other hand, I think the public are probably more immune these days than they were 30-odd years ago to being told by a minister what to do and being required to see the minister, him or herself, actually doing it. Are you saying that Ken Clark refused to wear the pink shell suit and get on an exercise bike? (laughs) Ken was a bit cavalier in his attitude to some of these issues. And I do remember getting really cross with him, being unable to say anything because I was a junior member of the team. When he decided to move the office from rather lofty, grand place to something a bit cosier up in the upper floors of Richmond House, which unfortunately had a low ceiling. And then he proceeded to puff on a cigar all the way through the meeting, all the way through. He did it on a regular basis. And I wasn't the only one that was going green. All the civil servants who were there were sort of swaying gently in their seats and and looking for the exit. And I thought that was... It wasn't so much unhealthy, it was selfish behaviour, because he knew perfectly well that I had asthma and that it was a discourtesy to everybody else in the room who didn't smoke and didn't want to smoke. I don't think Therese Coffey is going to be like that at all. But do you think that she's going to feel pressure, Edwina, to, to partake in some sort of health kick, transform herself? I mean, surely anyone looking at those photos that have been shared, that photo of her that's been shared on social media today, uh, would feel slightly self-conscious. Do you think she's going to feel the pressure? She strikes me as being really more of a character than her critics. I love the fact that she's got um, Dr. Dre on her phone and then he yes. went off in the middle of her first interview as Secretary of State. How, how great is that? Eh? Um, I like the idea that she's a, a bit of a good time girl. Um, um, she loves a karaoke party. That, as far as I'm concerned, I'm a scouser. I grew up with the Beatles. I think that's wonderful. You know, one of the, one of the great issues of our times is mental stress and mental illness. If we have somebody who can really show how to be a human being in one of the top jobs and how to enjoy life and how to relax, that's no bad thing. That's no bad thing. And as I say, I predict that by the time she's finished that job in several years' time, she'll probably be a lot thinner from just sheer hard work. Mm. Well, look, Edwina Curry, thanks so much for finding some time to talk to us. Cheers. Bye.
Well, I think it's an absolutely fair point that that really the challenges facing the health secretary are far greater than just public health. There is a serious capacity issue going on. Absolutely. And we should judge by her actions and by the, you know, the outcomes and whether or not we do have ambulances still waiting outside hospitals for hours and hours and hours on end when she's been putting in her hard work. Well, I, I mean, I think as well, it's all ministers should be judged by the policies mm. that they put in place. And uh, there are, are some people that have said that they are concerned about certain aspects of her voting history, in particular, poor voting history in terms of LGBT rights that she's opposed um, she voted against gay marriage. Gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I read that she's quite religious. Um, she, I think, she has a Catholic upbringing. Well, next on the line, we have someone who may have some of these concerns. Our very own GP columnist, Dr. Ellie Cannon. Ellie, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Now, I know that you're not interested in any of these comments about Therese Coffey's appearance or her weight, but you do have some concerns about her voting history and how how that might affect her approach to healthcare. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Well, we know that she has personal beliefs regarding abortion rights and she has voted against specifically access to at-home abortion for women. Um, And previously, she has voted also against gay marriage. And I suppose that just raises some questions for me regarding how much she will champion equity for vulnerable groups or for specific groups who do need um, extra support in terms of healthcare. I don't see how one can separate personal beliefs from affecting change in those areas, I think. With regards to, to gay marriage, what's that got to do with health? Well, people have said that to me over the last few days. What does it have to do? So I suppose if you have two people in front of you and you believe that one of them has the right to get married and one of them doesn't, really for sort of arbitrary reasons, then perhaps you're also blindsided to the equity that's needed in terms of healthcare. So, for example, you wouldn't necessarily understand that certain groups who need specific sexual health clinics or specific access or for example with a monkeypox outbreak and we need to have very very specific public health measures that are not necessarily to do with equality but are to do with equity so need more help than other people so i suppose it's all sort of part and parcel of the same thing it's it's people's human rights to health care mm. in the same way that they have human rights to other things i remember actually when the pre-exposure prophylaxis PrEP was being proposed as a a treatment to be given out widely, NHS England started briefing journalists and they were resisting rolling out PrEP because it was expensive. And they, at the time, we we got approached by quite a few freelance journalists who said that they'd been given lists of all of the rare diseases that might miss out on funding for drugs mm. if gay men got prep. Mm. So, you know, it does go to show how prejudices do feed into policy. I think that that happens. I don't think people realise it. 
Yeah, and I think it's what I, I really liked what the British Pregnancy Advisory Service said, who sort of look after women's rights to um, health care. They said that this was her attitudes were concerning. So it's not necessarily going to affect, obviously, it's not going to affect abortion laws or the rights of gay men to get married, but it's concerning. It raises questions um, how these things will be prioritised. Ellie, do you not think that she is just an example of a sort of classic conservative MP? I'm sure there's many, many conservative MPs who have Mm. the same views. Uh, You know, they're traditionalists, really. Yes, I think they are. And I think that NHS policy and public health policy tends to take a more socialist line by its very nature as part of the welfare state and as part of trying to improve equality and equity for everybody. But I suppose she possibly seems a bit more extreme than previous health secretaries that we've had. But time will tell. She's going to be criticised anyway for coming in as a health secretary under a conservative government. And she's obviously got a lot to do. She's got a lot to concentrate on. And we'll just have to see. Hopefully the fact that we've got a women's health ambassador will help um, things like that. And I think we've moved much further on in the last few years in terms of the rights of LGBTQ plus patients. So hopefully we won't see too much trouble from her. And do you think that as a health secretary, she has to be a role model for good health? Well, I think so. And obviously, you're asking me that because of her size and the way she looks. And I think there is an issue with that. And I think we naturally in the UK would look at somebody like her and assume she is incredibly unhealthy. But we can't look at previous health secretaries and assume that because they have what appears to be a normal BMI or a normal body shape, they are healthy. It's just obviously the very visible aspect of her health that we can see. And we don't actually know what her health background is. I don't think it's a great idea for her to be smoking in public. I think, bearing in mind the chief medical officer has a target for the country to be smoke-free by 2030, and her predecessors have done pretty well uh, with smoking policy. I don't think it's great for her to be smoking. But I don't think we can say just because of the way she looks, which we are generally all prejudiced against, we can say that she is a beacon of sort of poor health. I quite agree. Well, Ellie, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. People have been digging out videos of Therese Coffee, Dr. Therese Coffee, over the last few days. Um, and there, there was one interview in which the lovely Kay Burley tries to get her to say how upset she is over an issue. And it, it was a, a complicated immigration uh, story. Um, and I think there was a tragic death of a child involved. Mm-hmm. And Kay wanted her to say something like I'm devastated by I I don't know what she wanted her to say but she wouldn't be drawn on it she remained completely calm it's a hugely emotive subject Mm, mm, that she was very straight she was very straight about it. You know, someone might say perhaps of the Anne Widdicombe school of emotion, 
Um, <laughs> like there was there was none. There was okay. none. But there's something reassuring about that too. That that you're not going to get a kind of Matt Hancock type situation where clearly that guy was absolutely driven by his emotions. We saw it with the cystic fibrosis drugs. You know, he met one patient who was thirty something, attractive dying of cystic fibrosis and I mean it just spun his head completely and you know he made some policy decisions that were reckless really mm. um you know personally I feel like he was a quite an emotional person mm. I agree I agree which and we actually found out to be the case eventually yeah you do very need emotional. someone <laughs> very emotional yes if that's what you call it I mean, we do need someone who can remain very level-headed, don't we? And is just going to hit the ground running, as they say, and sort things out. Or just hit the ground, as Liz Truss said she was going to do. I forgot about that. She's just going to hit the ground from day one. <laughs> but I do find it interesting the way that the public seems to look at somebody who is overweight or obese. We say that it's because of their health, but actually there's an element of judgment and you sort of a lot of people see people who are overweight as some sort of grotesque slovenly there's definitely a sort of moral judgment element going on here i mean if she for instance god forbid touchwood had something like skin cancer but wasn't overweight i doubt that she would have received the same sort of vile mm. criticism as she has done for being a bit on the larger side Yes, I mean, really, perhaps people were so annoyed with her because she was a woman in the public eye that isn't pretty. I mean, really, that's that's essentially what people were saying. Yeah. They were accusing her of not being attractive enough. Which is absolutely appalling when you yeah, think about... it is appalling. And also, what year is it? We're still talking about women based on the way that they look and not on their brains and what they are achieving. I guess, you know, the likes of Theresa May and even Liz Truss, there is a sort of, you know, playing the game that goes on with wearing the very nice, sophisticated dresses, mm. the block colours. I noticed Laura Koonsberg was uh, mm. doled up to the nines. Um, but, you know, maybe she felt like a black stiletto that day. I, I don't mean, know. she's probably got Why a stylist not? and a makeup she's person. She's an attractive and, lady, I tell Yeah. You. She got it full on it. Exactly. There you go, Therese. <laughs> <laughs> all all you need is a black stiletto and it'll it'll all be okay. But it's just it's depressing isn't it that no one has really mentioned anything about obviously there are there is the issue about her policies as Ellie was discussing but nobody's really spoken much about what she's done in the past in terms mm. of perhaps positive things or what she's planned to do or you know yep. any sort of clues yep. as to what the future holds. I do agree with what Sophie Corcoran said though on the international stage it, it doesn't look quite right i think but who cares really? what the americans well, exactly. think who cares i mean the americans can <laughs> talk can't they now that's all we've got time for this week you can read all the latest health news in this weekend's mail on sunday which you can consume in newspaper format on the mail app or on mailplus.co.uk we'll be back with another topic on medical minefield next week see you then goodbye